0: Welcome to IT for Whiskey. A podcast for new or existing managed service providers and your occasional whiskey connoisseur. My name is Myron Herrera. My company is Cinetech Solutions. Uh, we are a MSP based out of Dallas. I'm also the CEO of Greenland Networks, which is a voice over IP uh, channel only, uh, based out of Dallas as well. Business started in 2004. Combined, we're about 30 employees. You know, the reason I, I wanted to do this podcast was because visiting a lot of these events, I, I realized that a lot of the MSP piece that we're starting up. We're struggling with some of the same things that I struggled when we started our business. Meeting Craig and Joe, we shared the same passion and a lot of the same issues that that we experienced. So wanting to take that pain away from some of the new guys, they decided to go with this podcast.
1: My name is Craig Hickman. I'm with ProBlue in Bloomington, Indiana. ProBlue is a managed service provider. We started in 2005. I started with, I think, a total of three employees, and now we've grown to 11. We're a small shop. We're located in South Central Indiana, servicing a little over 200 customers. This is a great opportunity for me to talk to other peers and learn what they have done and what they have not done well and avoid all those caveats. This is a learning experience for us
0: and also hopefully helping others along the way.
1: My name is Joe Yusia. I'm the CEO for Infinite IT. We're located out of Toronto, Canada. We're currently about a dozen employees. We're an MSP. We were originally founded in 1999. I truly believe in this podcast because I wish somebody was there to help me and and teach me a lot of the mistakes that they made and share with me their mind share on, on how to overcome issues. So I was lucky enough to meet Craig and Myron a few years ago and many years in the working and here we are. So I hope that you really get a lot out of this podcast and learn the things that I wish somebody would have told me. Hi, and welcome back to the next episode of IT4Whiskey. My name is Joe Ucia, and I am your co-host today with my very good friend, Myron Herrera. Hey, Myron. Hey, what's happening? What's up, buddy? Ah, another day in paradise. How's life in beautiful Texas?
0: It is good. Actually, you know, the weather is... Cooling down, we're below the 100s, so it's <laughs> it's a top top down
1: kind of day to drive around with the top down. So, oh, beautiful, love it. I wish I could say the same. It's raining here. Beautiful <laughs> Toronto. So, I wanted to ask you a question. You know, we we you and I were we we talk a lot, as everyone knows, and we've mentioned we pretty much talk daily and one of the the biggest things that we face as an msp from our customers is asking questions about well what are you doing to protect my data what are you doing about cyber security like how do i how can i trust you as an outsourced organization or one of my departments to make sure that I'm safe. It's no secret. The industry tools have been hacked over the last couple of years, several times without mentioning names. We know who they are and it's not only one, it's happened to them all in different ways, in different levels, some more severe than others. We face this tough question on a regular basis. Every time we're talking to a new customer and any of our our customers that are concerned about compliance and privacy because of their business revolves around a lot of PII, they they ask us uh, about this on a regular basis. What do you, how do you guys handle
0: that? it's definitely a hot topic because we're getting slammed by not even our customers, but by our customers' insurance providers. They're requesting to know whether the customer has MFA, do they have SPF, are they using what kind of endpoint security do they have, you know, all, all these good uh, good stuff. We have to be on our toes and make sure that we have all those things in place so that the customer doesn't feel like there's there's a risk there. But the customers bring up the question all the time, you know, what are you doing? you know, what, you know, cause this is great. You got my environment set up correctly. What are you doing? Are you, right. you know, securing your environment? We're trying to obviously follow whatever the, the industry is, is pushing. We're looking at what those insurance providers, which are also asking us, and we're making sure that those things are in place. Typically that that'll calm down the customer that it's not about if you get attacked, but you know, when you get attacked. So, beyond just having the protection, you have to also have the plan on how you react when that happens. It's sensitive, and there's no straight answer
1: so what one of the things that we realized, and uh, in all fairness, it was a customer that helped us realize this because originally you know would address every inquiry uh, one by one. It was not only time consuming but it was costly for us and for our customer to do that and our insurance companies, because we, we believe in protecting ourselves and mitigating risk as much as possible. But in the event that all of our mitigation efforts fail, that's where the insurance kicks in. And I will tell you, we spend a lot of money on, different insurance products uh, a year. Like, let's just say a lot of money, uh, the equivalent yeah. of payroll, uh, well, someone's payroll. So <laughs> just on insurance, right? Thankfully, we've never had any cybersecurity incidents or errors and in emissions incidents that have caused us to make a claim. But in the event that, you know, something did come up, we want to make sure that we're covered. So recently what we've done We got tired of the conversation and our FI customers would come uh, FI financial institution. So anyone that's in credit union, bank, insurance, et cetera, they're considered an FI. We have a lot of FI customers and they came to us and said, you know, we need this. We need this. We need this. And one of our customers named Steven. And if you do listen, I know you do. Thank you very much for kind of opening your eyes to this a couple of years ago. He mentioned, you know, going through this ISO certification. That actually was a spiral effect for us because the next thing that I realized is, hey, we need this as a company. And we've been going as a as you know, Myron, down this path. We're Mm -hmm. really close to starting our actual certification audit, which takes over a year to get to. Uh, and we're at the final stages of it. And um hopefully within the next you know 3 months or so we will have our ISO 27001 certification which talks at security privacy uh, compliance everyone's familiar with the term GDPR we've heard of CCPA or sorry CPA in California Canada's coming out with the new CPPA uh, act which is even more strict than the GDPR these are all based on ISO 27001 and ISO 27701. Those two ISO certifications are what the governments use to make their programs. And the really interesting thing is once you have those two certification, the rest of them, you can go through the audit process, but you pretty much are certified. It's very easy to get the certifications because you have your information security management system in place to, to address all of those certification requirements. How, how often do you have to do it? So it's an ongoing thing. It's forever. The hard one is the first one. That's your biggest forklift, right? Because it affects every process that we do internally. So how we handle customer PII, how we handle cybersecurity attacks, how, what we're doing to mitigate them. You know, do we have a SOC? Do we have a NOC? Do we have the tools in place? It addresses, we even go to the point of talking about what our offerings are and who we do business with, how we would notify them in the event of a breach and et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it really is. And it's a lot of work. I think we'll be, by the time we get our first ISO cert it'll be 100 grand in uh the second one will be at 150 and then we'll be time to recert the recerts aren't too bad they're between 5 and 10 grand a year for both so it's not too bad uh when you're recertifying it's just time and the first year you're looking at 7 800 work hours to get it done it's it's intense other
0: than obviously making sure that you're meeting those requirements Do you feel that there's an up?
1: Yes, it has had a trickle effect on how we do business. So there were things that we believed we were doing to the, well, we were doing it to the best of our knowledge, right? Right. But Mm -hmm. as you go through the process, it challenges what you're doing and it challenges you to rethink things. And in return you modify how you do things. We now have zero day passwords, you know, for everything. There's two FA MFA and then which is all great, but then it's still reliant on passwords now for anything sensitive. They're all zero day passwords and you need to have a a system in place to manage that. And, you know, there's so there's a lot of things you you have to have a proper inventory management system and how to to, so we actually today by coincidence, I have all my guys in the office doing a, a comprehensive inventory of the office to make sure every asset is nothing's been missed right normally you should have that anyways but as the life of an msp spare parts come in things come in and out all the time you depend on like we depend on connectwise to help us manage that but as you know normal garbage in garbage out and things spiral out of control over time i will say it has had a tremendous positive effect on us now will i say when we're done this certification that we're impervious no one is and that's a reality. The
0: other piece is that, you know, you now incur a, a cost, right? Which is not, not just the, the yearly research and stuff like that, but probably putting the systems that you might not have had. You know, how do you recover that? If somebody wants to do this, how do they recover?
1: Well, let me, let me just put it this way. So I go into a law firm mm-hmm. or accounting firm, or a government agency or an FI. They now are being challenged by their insurance carriers. Like I, I will say the majority of of our customers that we have, uh, that have PII that we need to contend with, their carrier now has to approve us as an MSP. We go through this audit process every time now. It's quite often that we're going through this, that their insurance carriers are saying, well, in order for us to insure you for cybersecurity protection for this, that, and the other, you have to have your, your MSP approved. So that's a trend that's happening. And the insurance is because of how many claims have been going through over the last couple of years because of all the cybersecurity attacks during the pandemic, mm-hmm. the carriers are getting wise to this and saying, hey, well, if the MSP is the weakest link, we need to approve them. So no longer do I have to appease just the customer to win the deal. Once we win the deal with the customer, the carrier can shut us down. And they'll say, well, you go with them, you have no policy. So this is starting to happen as a trend.
0: What we've seen in the in the US is the is that the insurance providers are telling the saying to the customers, "Are you using these tools? And if you are, you need to meet these requirements. If you don't, then I won't give you insurance." in In the sense of saying those that most of the time they say, you know, uh, you know, this company that was that recently had a cyber attack. Do you use their their tools, or does your MSP use their tool? And they do, and if they do, then You know, we either A, they're not going to support it or B, you know, you have to put this list of things in place. Um, That's how it's being done here. It's definitely changing.
1: Yes, things are changing and it is similar in many ways to what you're saying here. But they'll scrutinize who the provider is as well here. So they're going that one extra step. And it's it's not uncommon. Traditionally or historically, it's been more common that our FI rules are more stringent than U.S. Like our banking laws are some of the strictest in the world and our insurance laws are all controlled and it's, et cetera, et cetera. That's why, unfortunately, you know, the U.S. went through what it went through in 2008 and Canada was immune to it. We didn't have any effect, right? We rode that through like nothing. We didn't feel it. And it's because the laws are different, but what I will say is you know the u s is now caught up in that sense to Canada. It's not uncommon. We play leapfrog with each other all the time sometimes the u s is more strict and Canada's behind, and then we catch up it's It's common, right, like with all countries. But for all of our friends in the m s p space out there, I will tell you in the next twenty four months, you'll start seeing this more and more and more where you're trying to close a deal and now you've got a third party you have to appease in order to win that business. Yeah. So we've we've decided to leapfrog that and get ahead of it because of the amount of time and effort it takes to get this done. And I'm tired of doing these audits because in the last 12 months, I've probably done eight of them. And those audits take me anywhere from five to 10 hours to go through and back and forth and emails and phone calls and conference. Yeah. It's brutal, right? So I've asked on every single instance saying, hey, you know, we're, we are going through ISO 27001 right now is, you know, if we had this done today, would I satisfy everything you need? And the answer has always been the same thing. Yes. I got a couple of questions.
0: So obviously there is an advantage of having the, the ISO in place. How does a small MSP, a two person, three person compete with that, you know, or not even compete with that, or at least put the, the, the things in place? To be able to deal with with you know with that
1: so it depends on your market is the answer so if you are going at, if you're you know one to five ten employees and you're going after like as an msp you, you're just a few people and you are going after companies that are like sub 25 employees you won't come across this yet it will happen eventually but not yet
0: so as a, as a small msp you can go ahead and and purchase certain things what can you do
1: right so you can purchase the iso kits that kind of walk you through it you really need to to know how to read the stuff and understand it there is a lot of information out there failing that if it's it it still requires an enormous amount of time to the point that we realize the 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 forklift that is required to do it so we actually uh, i opened a division around this because I know our customers are starting to ask us for this and we have the framework in place for an organization now, so we can do it much more efficiently than trying to do it yourself. But that aside, you know, our, our compliance offering does encompass ISO 27,001, 27,701 GDPR and CPPA, the Canadian consumer protection uh, act. There are ways you can address it, doing it, the quote unquote, poor man's way of doing things to get through it, the easiest way, if you don't have like 50 or hundred grand to throw at this is every time you come across it, you're just going to have to complete the audit that the insurance company has. What you'll find is if you have an insurance company today, which everyone listening should, and if you have cybersecurity protection today, which everyone in this company that listens to this podcast should have cybersecurity and uh, protection for your business, go to your insurance company. And ask them, what would a questionnaire be like that I would need to field if you were trying to insure my customer? Like, what are the things you look for and how can I, you know, appease the insurance company? They've got forms and questionnaires like templated already done. So what I did originally to get past this and what, why I got frustrated with it was because the amount of time each audit took, because they're all different. But what I ended up doing was I created a generic template. I took a two or three of them that I had, plus the one my carrier gave me, and I created a branded document that was under our company name. And that document covered the majority of things, and that's how I was able to reduce the the investment required from ten hours to like five into customizing it for them. So the first thing I would do whenever they would come out with a, with a questionnaire is I would just forward them my document. It was like four or five pages long and it answered the majority of their questions and they'd say, okay, that's great, but here's the information we're missing. And then you have to go and complete that. Sometimes it took forever to complete some others, not so hard. And there was some instances where that was more than they needed. We have one customer and just to, to, to explain the context, one of our customers in the FI space, their customers are really high profile companies. Like they have Netflix, Amazon, NVIDIA, like all these high tech companies, Microsoft's a customer, et cetera, et cetera. They're, they're, they're high tech customer list. That's the vertical they focus on in the, in the, and they're an FI provider. And the really neat thing about this organization is they're very tech savvy. The the CEO there uh, is a great guy and, and he was the one I was mentioning earlier, Stephen, very very tech savvy very understanding great guy to work with and we help each other a lot and we have a great partnership with him and his company we are their msp and he's he's affected our business significantly as much as we've affected his but the big thing is we work together to create these templates and i've you know for his company and ours so he can do the same thing. He's going through ISO certification with us as well. We've completed other compliance certifications like the Microsoft SSPA. We've done other SSPA documents with him and whatnot and audits and whatnot. And so the the, the net, net of it is if you find someone that, ha- like one of your customers that has this requirement and it, it happens repetitively, then something to look at. Now, I'm going to tie this back to the topic du jour, cybersecurity. Why is this relevant? So... The relevance of these certifications, of cybersecurity is you implement what is called uh ISMS, which is an information security management system. It's not a platform. It's not a software tool. It's procedures. Uh, the ISMS is all about procedural documents. There are literally multiple dozens of documents you've got to create in order to do this now creating documents on their own is great. Implementing them is the challenge. So that means you need to affect change in your business. So how we used to do things a year ago is no longer how we do it today. And I feel a lot more confident in our cybersecurity strategy today than I did a year ago. And we were pretty darn good then. Now we're actually really good. Like we've, we've locked down so many things that we had no idea, would have never thought of, because you don't know what you don't know in life. Until you come across it and experience it. The benefit to us is not only has it been benefiting us as a customer, uh, us as a company, but our customers are seeing the benefit because their data is now secured.
0: That's awesome. I think that, uh, you know, at least here in the U.S., I have not come across the need for that. Um, I, 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 I could see in Canada, I guess it's it's being more more common. Here, we're, you know, we're, we're seeing the NISTs. We're seeing the, you know, the SOC 1, SOC 2, uh, you know, the, the typical stuff, uh, some some customers in the CCMA, things like that. But it's the ultimate thing, you know, to take back is that you have to take your audits, how you manage the, you know, your, your environment, how you control security. You know how you set up uh incident responses you know and all those things in place you need to have that not just not just talk about it but have plans in place and there's companies i mean they here in the us i know that there's companies out there you can use i i know a couple of people that that do that for a business you know um as a business so it, it's definitely something that needs to be
1: uh addressed you said two things there that i want to just touch on quickly. SOC 2 uh, being, you know, the whole SOC 1, 2, 3, blah, blah, blah. ISO 27701 addresses that. Depending on the industry you're in or the
0: the customer's industry may want to focus on a specific one. You know, if you're in the health, you're obviously just focusing on the HIPAA things and stuff like that. But if you're, you know, like, like you guys are in the financial space, then it might make sense to, you know, go for the, for the big kahuna,
1: right? But ISO 27701 is vertical agnostic. It's industry agnostic. It actually talks about everything to do with cybersecurity and privacy and how you're locking your stuff down. So it is very similar to the SOC certification. I've heard rumors that SOC is going away and that ISO is just going to be the one everyone accepts 27701, but I, I, I can't confirm or deny that. The second thing you mentioned is instant response planning. So how we got into this space was we have been writing IRPs for years for our customers. We have had an IRP in place since 2011. And every year we review it as a company and our staff understand the IRP, the whole nine yards. So last year in 2020, when we declared pandemic on March 9th of 2020, which was days after we got back from uh, from San Antonio, we declared on the Sun the Friday or the Sunday, whatever the ninth was, we declared pandemic and we sent everybody home for us. And I think I mentioned this in the past episodes, it was people picked their stuff up, they went home and they continued working. We were ready for it. And I did it early because I wanted my staff to have empathy to the customers because we predicted they were about to go through it. And sure enough, as we all know now, 18 months later, we were, I was right on the fact that the whole world was going into a pandemic. My staff had empathy to our customers and made it as smooth as possible. Ironically, our customers that we wrote IRPs for had the exact same experience. It was smooth because their employees knew what to do. The customers that we didn't write IRPs for, guess what happened? It was crazy. They scrambled a lot. They were freaking out. They were like trying to scramble to get things. There were shortages. They were affected by it. It was just craziness. And you want to know the real irony out of it all? It drove me to drink. Speaking of which, what are you drinking today, Myron?
0: I'm drinking something that a friend of mine recommended once before on a very popular podcast called it for whiskey (laughs) I actually have a bottle of the Tomatin 18 Oloroso Cherry Cask that you drank a couple episodes ago. So I, I picked it up. I said, let me see what this is all about. And?
1: Yeah. Oh, come on! <laughs> come nah, it's
0: good. It's good. First drink was uh, was a little bit tougher than I was expecting. It's gone well since since then. That's why I haven't I haven't talked much. I've
1: been drinking. I think I mentioned this to you off like in one of our chats that the first sip is a little bit. It's got edge on it because typically, yep. and I, I think I figured out why. You pour, you want to drink it so badly, you don't give it time to breathe. That's my theory. If you give it a minute to breathe, as soon as it breathes for like a minute, it it's fantastic. And it's the first time you open the bottle. But once it once you've opened the bottle, like the next time you go back, you won't have that experience. You almost have to leave the bottle open for a little bit. It's like a fine wine, let it breathe. So yeah, so I'm very very I'm liking it. That's I I like it. I like as I've said before, I like the the distillery. I think they make decent products. I wouldn't say you know, they're phenomenal or out of this world and I must have, but good quality product for the price. They're decently priced. They're not like ridiculous. They're not cheap, but they're not ridiculous either. And it's a good quality product. I like it. Staple in my bar. How about you? What are you drinking? So today I'm drinking something a little different. I decided to break out an Islay. I was given as a gift a couple of years ago. I know Islays are not on my... Wow. Really? I know, right? It's a little peaty for me, but I'll suffer tomorrow for it. Whatever. The brand is called Kiliman. And it's actually spelled Kilchoman, but it's pronounced Kiliman. And this one is the, the Matchire Bay, It's circa 2010. So I guess at this point, it would be at like an 11-year-old. And when I got it, it was a nine-year-old as a gift. It's all right. It's got the peat to it, which I'm not a big fan, as you all know. But it's smooth. It tastes good. My sinuses will pay me back tomorrow. That's like the west side of I- Isley right?
0: That whole, that whole region is called Kilchilman, whatever that is.
1: Is it really? So it's pronounced i Ile. Ile, whatever. That all aside, it's not bad. It's actually alright. Would I stock this in the bar and buy it myself? No. Was it a gift? Yes. Do I like it? Sure, it's great.
0: Those you that you listen that don't like Petey stay away from this.
1: But if you do like Pete, if you like Lafroy or Jura, then this will be right up your alley. I don't like either one of those personally. And it's an allergy thing. I don't know if you can start to hear it. My nose... My sinuses are already starting to flare up. This is not my area. So, uh, um, but I'll drink it. I'm gonna finish it. I'm gonna send to waste scotch. That's for sure.
0: Again, because I, I want to focus that at least as of right now uh, in the industry to get that kind of certification is a is for the larger MSP that's dealing with larger customers that require a lot of this, you know, and and it seems like more in Canada than even in the U.S. I I personally, I mean, you guys will catch up. We're not seeing it today. Now, what we are seeing today from the U.S. side is that the insurances are pushing for the customers to have the, you know, what we call today our, you know, the basic stack with MFA, with EDR, you know, SPF, all those things. So if you're not doing that or if your customers are not doing that, I would suggest you focus on that and start pushing it because their, their policies are about to jump in, in pricing if they don't have that. Or they may not even get the policy at all, which is, you know, I, I recently got a, a was copied on an email where a customer said prospect customer said, you know, sent us the thing and said, our insurance won't give us, you know, cyber because we don't have these things so it was like that's an easy sell for us you know what i mean so if you if you focus and get these these um these cybersecurity pieces in place the products in place you're going to have a better chances of closing a deal as you move forward uh, how things are today and it's just going to get stricter they work because when you put the mfa in place when you put the you write your incident response plans you you do all those things things calm down for you as an msp and it becomes a lot easier to support your customers as much as joe talked the entire episode that's my little insight for today take it away
1: have a good one everyone it
0: for whiskey a podcast by msps to help msps don't forget to spread the word like and subscribe at itforwhiskey.com. you smoke that cisco and you may uh ddos yourself (laughs)